Brian McClanahan Show, episode 291. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Brian McClanahan. Like my Facebook page at Brian McClanahan. And of course, subscribe to my YouTube page at Brian McClanahan, where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media buttons at my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B R I O N, McClanahan.com. While you're there, give me an email address and I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title, read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mclanahanacademy.com. It's always free to enroll. You get a free class when you do so, and I've got eight classes available for purchase. You can also go to brianmcclanahan.com forward slash support. You can donate that way, or you can buy your book plate. So if you want my autograph on one of my books, just do that. I'll send it in the mail. So you've got your book plate. Don't have to worry about sending a book back and forth. Great way to do it. Also go to brianmcclanahan.com. Click on that shop tab. You can get your Brian McClanahan Show logo and all kinds of cool stuff. It's a way to advertise a show and get people interested, ask you about it. Hey, what's that Brian McClanahan show? And, of course, you support the show as well. Go to Learn True, T-R-U-E, LearnTrueHistory.com. It's a great way to support the show. That's my affiliate link for Tom Woods Liberty Classroom. I teach there along with Tom and Kevin Goodsman, Brad Berzer, Jason Jewell, a whole lot of great people, Bob Murphy. You've got economics, history, philosophy, a lot of bang for your buck, 20 classes. Um, so you also... Throw a few pennies my way when you subscribe through my affiliate link if you want to do that. And as always, rate this show wherever you get your podcasts. Share it around on social media. Uh, shoot me an email letting me know what you want to hear. Leave me a message at anchor.fm. Let me know what you want to hear. And as I said in the last, uh, as I said before, I don't know if, as I said before, or maybe this is the first time you're hearing it. Think about if you leave one of those messages, what you want to hear that other people would want to hear, not just something that you're interested in that I couldn't talk about for more than about five or ten minutes, but something you think more people want to hear about, that the listeners of The Brian McClanahan Show, make the show better. Make it better. If you can't make it better, I can't put you on the show. But I would love to do it. I've gotten some people to do this, but I can't use what they've asked me to do yet in a long-form format. I mean, I have to be able to talk about this stuff for about 30 minutes. So... <laughs> Uh, without any notes, by the way. I mean, very rarely do I... I mean, this show, I have just a couple of things scribbled down I want to talk about. But usually I do this off the cuff. So if you want to to hear something, make sure more people, you think more people are going on to hear about it too, not just you. But I want you to make the show better. So leave those anchor.fm voice messages. Make the show better. That'd be a fun part, a fun way to interact with you, the listeners. I mean, I do this for you, so I want you to be part of it. But you got to make it better. All right. Let's talk about this. is a listener-generated episode. It is. I've, I've received several emails about this, not, not anything on voice. If I had something on voice, I would have put it on. But several emails about this particular, uh, this particular topic. And the topic is Virginia secession. Now, not just the state of Virginia seceding, but counties in Virginia seceding. So this goes back to the episode I did on Second Amendment sanctuary counties. Um, and where that works, I talked about, I mean, this is not a bad idea, though there is an issue here. Virginia does have a history of having counties have more power than the state. 
If you look back in the colonial period, you certainly find that. But the very nature of the state makes some of these things problematic. The state can control what the counties can and cannot do. The state can control this, not the counties. The county sheriff can refuse to enforce unconstitutional laws, and that's about the best you could do from a county perspective. Law enforcement is key here, because if you are in law enforcement, if you refuse to enforce certain laws, you have essentially nullified those laws. So the state police could come in and certainly enforce gun confiscation laws, but that would take a tremendous amount of manpower and something I highly doubt they would do. Um, They just don't have enough manpower to do it. One thing that's interesting, the state of Delaware has decided they've, they've abolished the county sheriffs. They've essentially abolished all local law enforcement. I mean, you can have your city, town police. But they've gotten rid of the sheriffs, and they've instead just were relying on state police. State police are agents of the state. They're not elected. Sheriffs are elected. And they enforce the law. Now, where I live, the sheriff has simply become... Um, Kind of like a marshal service. They just go and get convicts and bring them to and, for, to and from jail and things like that. Serve warrants. But they don't do much else. You have your local police, your city police, your county police, and then of course your state police. But I rarely see a state police officer where I live. It's usually local police. So if the local police decide that they're going to enforce or not enforce certain laws... That essentially has the same effect as nullification. So law enforcement is your first line of defense in any type of action against unconstitutional legislation. And if we're looking at violating the state constitution, which any type of gun confiscation legislation would do in the state of Virginia, because it violates the Virginia constitution, this is something that the people that take an oath to uphold and defend the state constitution should seriously consider. And law enforcement does that. They take an oath to uphold and defend the local constitution, the state constitution, of course. So that's an important distinction to make. But in reality, the county is at the pleasure of the state. I mean, the counties only exist because the states say they can exist. The city governments only exist because the state says they can exist. The state could abolish, the state of Virginia could pass legislation. I hate to say this because, I mean, who knows, maybe they'll do it. They could pass legislation abolishing every county in the state of Virginia. And you have one county. It's all Virginia. There's no more county government. All that's gone. They could abolish the city governments. They could say this is all now under the control of the state of Virginia. We control every single aspect of Virginia. They could do it. They could have one government for the entire state of Virginia. And there's nothing that Virginia can essentially do about it. Except the people of Virginia could decide that they're not going to stand for it. This is essentially what's happening in Virginia. You're having a groundswell of people of Virginia who are bristling at the centralization of Virginia in the hands of a few counties and a few suburban slash urban areas, and they're saying enough. So you've got this movement now of several counties, particularly in the western part of the state, saying we're out. We want to secede from Virginia and join West Virginia, which, of course, was also a secession movement at one point out of Virginia. So I'm going to talk about where this fits in historically, 
whether you can do this or not, whether this is even a viable prospect for Virginia or Virginians who are certainly, and I think justifiably, frustrated with the government now in Richmond in Virginia, which is a razor-thin majority. And it's the very definition of tyranny in many ways. Even uh, you know, John Adams said that when you have this singular vote majority, or even two-vote majority, that's tyranny because you're oppressing the other half of the population. And essentially, that's what's happening. And as I mentioned in a piece uh, once the Democrats won the state house, I mentioned in a piece at the Abbeville Institute, I mean, it was coming. What was going to happen is all the Confederate stuff is going to get changed in Virginia. It's all going to get taken away because now the state, the, these monument protection laws are essentially going to be taken off the books. So if the people of Virginia don't like that, then they need to get rid of Ralph Northam and they need to get rid of the Democrats in control of the legislature. I mean, it's pretty simple. I don't know how they're going to do it because demographics are working against them, which is why, of course, they want to get out and go to West Virginia. This is going to be kind of a think locally, act locally episode because I do talk about this and I've had people say, well, what happens if your local community is so corrupt and, and messed up you can't, I mean, it's doing things like this. That is, that is a problem. You're not going to get any relief from the center, though, either from the United States government or the state of Virginia. So the best bet then will be to vote with your feet and leave. And I know that's hard for a lot of people because, I mean, your families have been ingrained in Virginia or South Carolina or whatever the case may be, whatever state you're in, even Massachusetts, Connecticut, whatever it is, and you see, or California, you see your state is going down the tubes and you think, uh, well, we, I, I got to do something. You got to start trying to persuade people of your position. You have to become an active participant in that way in your own backyard. And stop paying attention to what's happening in Washington, D.C. and Donald Trump and start paying attention to what's happening in your backyard and try to change that. Right around where I live, it's kind of, it gives you an idea of people actually affecting change. They're talking about putting in a rock quarry in a, in a town near where I live. And the citizens are up in arms over this because it's going to destroy, it's going to have problems with air pollution, water pollution, noise pollution. They don't want the gravel trucks driving around. And so the citizens have risen up against this. And they had so many people at a local meeting about this, they didn't have enough room for them all. This is what it takes. Show up and show up in force and make your voice heard. Now, it doesn't mean they're going to block it, but at least they're trying. They're trying to block it, but you got to be active. And it's not always easy to do so. You're not going to make friends all the time in this way. You're going to, you're going to ruffle feathers and people aren't going to like you. Generally, humans want to be liked. We don't want to cause problems. But if the, if the issue is that important, you need to. Now, on to this issue of Virginia secession, county secession. So, the idea is that these counties that are now Second, Second Amendment, which I think is wrong to call them Second Amendment sanctuary counties, just call them, uh, you know, Article One, Section Thirteen, sanctuary counties. Because I mean, essentially, that's what you're saying. You're gonna, they're gonna uphold the Virginia Constitution, which is being violated by the state government. So uh, these counties are thinking about joining West Virginia. West Virginia is open to it. Yeah, come on, we're, we'll take it. Now, of course, for West Virginia, this adds a tremendous amount of resources to the state of West Virginia. West Virginia, by the way, is an illegal state. Uh, so this is kind of funny that you have West Virginia now as a player in this. West Virginia is a completely illegal state. It was formed illegally during the war. You had uh, the state of Virginia, 
which of course was in the Confederacy. Uh, and then you had West Virginia secede from the state of Virginia. And remember, Lincoln said that the states were not out of the Union. They're just in rebellion. So according to the Constitution, this is where all this comes back legally. According to the Constitution, the state of West Virginia would have had to have permission from the state of Virginia to do it. They didn't have that permission. Now, Lincoln's work around this was that, well, we have a government in the state of Virginia. It's just not the government that the people of Virginia support. It's not the legitimate government, but we have one that we recognize. So they agree to it. The state of West Virginia agrees to it. We're going to do it. The state of West Virginia. So, I mean, in some ways, this is an interesting argument to be made. Well, I mean, that government of Virginia is not our legitimate government anymore. We don't we don't subscribe to that government. It's, it's illegitimate to us. So we're going to have our own government now, and we're out. Now, according to the U.S. Constitution, this is possible. According to the U.S. Constitution, this is possible. Not probable, but possible. That's the issue here. All of this bluff and bluster. If you want to do it, and I'll talk about it on the other side of the break, how it is possible but not probable. If you want to do it, you sh- I mean, there, there's an avenue for it where something like this could potentially happen. You could have these counties declare their independence from the state of Virginia. Possible but not probable based on the legal structure and framework that they have to operate under by simply saying we want out and we're going to create our own state or we're going to join the state of West Virginia. I think it'd be better just to create your own state at this point. That would be the best method. Again, not probable because there will be some serious hiccups with this, but this is essentially what's happening in California as well. And I'm going to talk about all those examples on the other side of the break. So I'm going to take a brief break. I'm going to talk about how it's possible but not probable. And then I'll talk about some other examples that are going on with this and how this is actually a beautiful thing what's happening with these counties because people are waking up to the reality that the center, whether it's the state or, of course, the U.S. government, is too big and too unmanageable. And, of course, even the state of Virginia is too big. And you have tyranny in the state of Virginia. You have a slim majority one-size-fits-all government. They are going after things they legally shouldn't be going after, and the people of Virginia have had enough. But I'm going to talk about that on the other side of the break. I'll see you in just a minute. Let me talk to you for a minute about McClanahan Academy. I know at the beginning of this particular podcast or this video, I talked about McClanahan Academy. But let me go into a little more detail about why I think you should sign up for it and why, and why I created it. First, a little bit about me. I have a PhD in American history from the University of South Carolina, and I've taught in the college environment for 20 years. And I've seen college students get worse over time, the curriculum get worse, and students are being indoctrinated more than educated now in our higher education system, whether it's high school or college. So I wanted a counterweight to that. And this is why I created the McClanahan Academy. Now, first, it's always free to enroll at McClanahan Academy. You sign up, it's free. And I give you a free course, 10 Myths of American History, when you do sign up. So it's a great way to get an introduction to what I do. But I've got eight courses for sale there and more forthcoming. All of these courses are designed to give you the non-PC version of American history, to take the red pill, so to speak. 
And I've got two courses in particular, my U.S. History Survey courses, which are designed for homeschoolers. So if you're a homeschooler and you want a good curriculum, and uh, my family has homeschooled all of our children from the beginning, and you want a solid history curriculum, that's why I designed the United States History 18, to 1865 and 1865 to the present. You've got enough material, you've got lesson plans, you've got uh, tests, you've got reading material, you've got reading seminars, you've got 36 weeks, if you take them, buy them both, you've got 36 weeks of material, and it can be used as a high school history curriculum. Or if you're just a lifelong learner, you can use it otherwise. But it's a great way to get a real history education devoid of Marxism and progressivism and political correctness. So sign up at mclanahanacademy.com. That's mclanahanacademy.com. Again, always free to enroll, and I'll see you there. All right, we're back talking about Virginia secession, county secession. Okay, so let's talk about how this could be possible but not probable. The Constitution does allow for the creation of states within states as long as the state and the Congress agree to it. So, if these counties want to secede from the state of Virginia, they could do it. Legally, it can happen. But you're going to have to get the legislature in Virginia to agree to it. Of course, you'd have to get the legislature of West Virginia to agree to it if these, state, these counties want to join the state of West Virginia. And then you're going to have to get the Congress to agree to it. This would be no different when there's been proposals to separate California to break it up into, say, four states. Some of these things are discussed openly and have been discussed openly at different times in American history. But if these counties want to do it, they can legally. They'd have to petition the state of Virginia to do it. And then they'd have to petition the state of West Virginia to accept them. Or they have to create their own state. Now, I can almost guarantee that the state of Virginia would say no. I can almost guarantee it. So it would die there. But even if the state of Virginia said yeah, we'll go for that. Uh, going into West Virginia would be fine for the Congress of the United States, but if these if this state wanted to create, or these counties wanted to create their own state, which would actually be the preferable thing, I think the Congress would reject it because this would add two conservative senators to the Senate. And the Democrats would throw a fit over this. They wouldn't, they wouldn't go for it. But legally, there is a mechanism in the U.S. Constitution that allows states to be created within states, within existing states, or made from a st two or more states. Uh, now, do you have to have permission to do something like this? I think in this particular case, yes, we're talking about, again, states are the building blocks of the United States central government. To create a state out of a state does require the permission from that state. The states, I mean, we're looking at, you have to look at this, the states are sovereign in this particular way. The people of the states, of course, but the states themselves. So these government, these state governments have all the power. They have all the power. Now, this brings up a discussion about the future of American decentralization. When you look at what's happening in America now and the polarization of the American polity, you have all these people that are very angry with each other on different issues, whether it's social issues, economic issues. People are really polarized now. 
And that's because we we have more than two Americas, but we do have multiple Americas. So because of that, even within southern states, you have people that aren't southern and they don't really want to have, I mean, they come to the south because they want to live like southerners, but yet they bring New England with them or they bring the Midwest with them or whatever it is. And you look at Virginia, this is exactly what's happened. You've got the monstrosity that is the federal city and everyone that works in the federal city lives outside of the federal city. So they, most of them live in Virginia. Where where do these people come from? They come from all over the United States into Washington, D.C., or all over the world into Washington, D.C., and they live in the northern counties of Virginia. This is where I was born, in the northern counties of Virginia. And uh, <laughs> it's changed even since when I left. I left when I was 10 years old from the northern counties of Virginia. My family moved away from Virginia. Uh, and even when, when I've looked at where I grew up, I mean, it doesn't even look like the same place. It's been so commercialized, and so many people have moved in there. The house that I grew up in was built, uh, you know, first 10 years of my life was built in the 1950s in a little neighborhood, little quaint neighborhood in northern Virginia. And the houses are being bought in that neighborhood for a huge amount of money. And then they're being bulldozed and another house is being put there. So when I say a huge amount of money, I'm talking about near a million dollars. These homes are being purchased for around that price. And people aren't living in them when they're paying a million dollars for them. They're bulldozing them and putting in another house. It's, I mean, it's insane. But this is the money that's in Washington, D.C. And I saw that, of course, Trump has said we're going to have a cap civilian <laughs> salaries, uh, salary increases for the general government at 1%. The general government, employees of the general government now make more money on average than private sector employees. So I mean, we've gotten this kind of flip process because there's so much money going into Washington, D.C. You want to save money? We'll start capping some of these spend expenditures. So... When you look at this county situation, what can these counties do? And this actually goes into, I just saw uh, a, a piece. Uh, I think it was at the Hill. I'd have to go back and find it. It was a, But um, it's pretty interesting. You've got uh, a discussion now from the Trump administration about sanctuary cities and counties and what Barr is doing to try to uh, take action against these sanctuary cities and counties. Yeah. Um, so the Hill reports, this is from, um, let's see, from uh, yesterday. Attorney General William Barr announced Monday that there will be a significant escalation from the government against sanctuary cities, counties, and states, including lawsuits against localities opposed to the Trump administration's hardline immigration policies. The administration has attempted to crack down local and state governments that have pledged to protect undocumented immigrants from de deportation. Barr announced lawsuits against the state of New Jersey and King County, Washington, which includes Seattle. Uh, this is a federalism issue. So are the Virginia. So we can't have it both ways. You can't say, hey, we're going to have these counties uh, oppose unconstitutional gun legislation, yet on the other hand, we're going to support uh, smacking down states that have different rules on immigration than the general government. Um, 
But this is essentially what's happening. We have an inconsistent application of federalism. So that's the issue of the 21st century, I think, how this is going to work. And I think that the, the position here of these people wanting to get out of Virginia, I mean, look, I understand. You're going to have some obstacles. But should we be talking about this? Should we look at Hume's ideal republic? And I did a, a podcast episode on this. Should we start looking at Hume's ideal republic? Or should we start talking about size and scale? Are the states too large? I live in Alabama. The state of Alabama has about 4 million people. That was the entire size of the United States in 1790. Is the state of Alabama too large for good and effective government? Should we be decentralizing the state of Alabama? Should we take places like Atlanta and make that into a city-state? Or New York? Or Los Angeles? Should we take these areas and essentially make them into city-states and then leave the rest... I mean, look, I would be more for this. I would be for saying, look, here's what we need to do. Take all these cities and make them into states. Just make them into states. And I know people, well, that's going to give them two senators. But it would also give the surrounding areas, which are, of course, more conservative generally, two senators as well. And um, you would take out, you would also have a number of representatives uh, from these surrounding areas. So, I mean, how would that work? You're going to have the Democrats anyways controlling these cities, and they're going to get a number of representatives out of it. So that's not really going to change, but you might have a situation where these other areas have more responsive government. And, of course, you're not then governing from Atlanta for the rest of Georgia. You're not governing from Richmond for the rest of Virginia. Just break it off. Or maybe break off a few counties in Northern Virginia and say, you're a state, and the rest of Virginia, real Virginia, can have its state. This is something that we need to be talking about in the future, because as we're starting to see here, we have, we have problems in American government because we have these different positions on authority, on state authority, local authority. How does all this work? How does all this work effectively? And how do we have local government? How do we have responsive local government when you have a state that is opposed to the majority of the counties outside of that state? Now, of course, there are other examples of states trying to. I mentioned California. There is a, a serious proposal, the Drapers. Uh, 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 I think it's uh, Tom Draper. I can't remember the. I think it's Tom Draper. Uh, maybe it's not. I can't remember the guy's first name, but Draper um, is proposing breaking California into many states. And he's got lots of money. He wants to do it. Uh, this has been floated around before. The state, the, the, uh, the panhandle of Florida has talked about breaking off of Florida and joining Alabama. That, that was a serious uh, uh, issue of discussion back in the 1970s and 80s. So these type of things have happened before. We've had states, of course, break off. There was some talk about uh, the same thing in Michigan, having part of Michigan break off. Um, so these things come up over time every now and then where you have, of course, the best examples of states breaking away. You have the state of West Virginia, which I already talked about was illegal, but you also have the state of Vermont. This actually happened. Vermont was part of New York and Vermont broke off of New York and that was agreed to by the other states. We've had, if you look at the Western Territory, it wasn't really the Western Territory, it was really part of Virginia, but you look at states like Kentucky, 
And then, of course, the Old Northwest, that was all donated by the state of Virginia. Uh, the state of Tennessee, breaking off from the Carolinas. The states of Alabama and Mississippi, breaking off from Georgia, essentially. I mean, so we've had this. Texas, there's been some discussion of Texas breaking into many states. As I've mentioned on this podcast several times, perhaps perhaps it is time to start thinking about how we could break apart states and create more responsive local authorities or responsive local government. Now, what's going to happen with all of this, of course, is that you're going to see things like Northern Virginia lose its Virginia character, but you could keep it in other areas of the state. I mean, there's nothing to say that these other areas couldn't certainly keep the character of Virginia that they admire. They could still admire Robert E. Lee, for example. I mean, that these, these counties of Virginia that are now part of Richmond, this is the real problem. This is where you've got uh, these laws coming from, whether it's uh, uh, gun laws, whether it's anti-monument laws, whatever the case may be. It's all coming out of these small, these, these certain counties in Virginia, which does, of course, have a large number of people living in, but a lot of them are transplants. And so that's changing the character of the state of Virginia. It's sad to see. Again, Virginia is the cradle of America. It's sad to see Virginia going down this path. But this is what's happening in the Old Dominion. What would be more acceptable, more agreeable to me, as far as I think locally, act locally, was to have states built around culture, as small as possible. Have multiple states, have many states. Decentralize everything. Really create responsive local government. Because by doing so, you're putting more power back into the hands of the local citizens. You're going to have to have citizen participation in these things. You're really going to have to have people actively engaged. Look, having larger and larger states means fewer and fewer people actually have to be engaged in this stuff. And it's true. I mean, you, you, if you have local government, every issue is local. Well, people have to be involved in this. And most people just don't want to do it. don't have time for it. They just pass it off to somebody else. We'll just pass it off, pass it down the line, kick the can down the road. So my position on all this is, yes, this should happen. Virginia should have a real serious discussion about these counties leaving, but not joining West Virginia, forming their own state. Having it be the state of, call it real Virginia. <laughs> you know, Call it the state of Jefferson. Call it the state of Washington. I don't know. Call it something. Or you can't call it the state of Washington. Call it the state, call it, uh, call it the state of uh, Madison. The state of Washington stole it out there on the West Coast. You know They should change their name to something else. It's not really reflective of Washington. Call it the state of Jefferson or Madison or Monroe or Lee. It would be really funny if they, if they broke away and called it the state of Lee. You want to see some snowflakes melting down and going completely uh, crazy about that. Call it the state of Lee. And uh, watch people just go nuts. Now, this would probably block it in the Congress. But again, I mean, because of the, the nature of the general government, you're going to have to have the states agree to this. If we're talking about unilateral secession, does the state leaving the union? I mean, if these people want to say, all right, we're out, that's a whole other situation. But if you want to stay in the United States, then you have to follow the parameters of the U.S. Constitution. You'd have to have permission from the state of Virginia. You'd have to have permission from West Virginia to join that state. And you'd have to have permission from the Congress at the end of the day, which, again, I find highly improbable. It's possible, but highly improbable for something like that to take place. But at least people are talking about decentralization. That's the silver lining in all of this. 
The silver lining in all of this is that we've got some serious discussions about uh, decentralization in America, what that means, what that means for the future of the United States, what that means for self-government and local government. And those are very good discussions to have. At the end of the day, I think what needs to happen is, of course, these people in Virginia really need to get out in mass, and they need to make sure that they vote, and they vote in large numbers, and they boot out the governor. I mean, they can still control the governor. Northern really is the pivot point. You might not have control over the legislature all the time, but how many was there a, a, a point in uh, these Virginia local races where they didn't have enough mobilization of people who are really ticked off about these things? And they need to get, uh, get more people in the legislature that uh, would block this stuff as well. It's very hard to nullify. It's very hard to secede. It's very hard to do these decentralization tactics working within the framework of the state. Um, but of course, local law enforcement. If you listen to this podcast and you're into local law enforcement, whether you're a sheriff or local law enforcement, you can determine the future of America by what laws you choose to enforce. And I know that's a difficult position to put people in, but this is where we are. This is where we are in the 21st century. All right. That's my position on this idea, topic of Virginia secession. That's where I stand on it. I'll see you next time on The Brian McClanahan Show.